Watch and listen to the talking news every day at 12 noon and 6 p.m. on Channel 96 Comcast Xfinity and Channel 30 Verizon Fios. It can also be heard Mondays and Tuesdays at 4.30 p.m. and Wednesday at 12.30 p.m. on Channel 9 Xfinity and Channel 29 Fios. Listen anytime on the BMC Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Just search for the Belmont Media Podcast Network. And now on to the talking news. Belmont High School principal reflects as he prepares to move on by Joanna K. Zvelis. Principal Dan Richards begins his new role as principal of the Georgetown Middle High School July 1. In his final days as the leader of Belmont High School, Richards said that he was feeling emotional about leaving after being in his position for six years. Prior to becoming the BHS principal, Richards served as Melrose High School principal for one year and BHS assistant principal for six years. On June 3rd, he gave his final commencement speech to the class of 2018. He said it was a special day and he had to muster up the strength to get through it with a box of tissues in the background. With each kid, I've seen them grow up and to see that day come and shake their hand and deliver that diploma and give that speech to a community that has meant so much to me, he said. In February, Richards sent an email to parents announcing his decision to leave at the end of the school year to pursue other opportunities. He moved to Beverly three years ago and his family was encouraging him to work closer to home. His commute to work will now be 30 minutes shorter. The Belmont Citizen Herald had the opportunity to meet with Richards uh, before his departure and ask him to reflect on his time at BHS. What will you miss most about BHS? There are many things, but I think the thing I'm going to miss the are the great relationships with the faculty and staff, with the students and the parents. The people, without a doubt, is what I'm going to miss most. What accomplishments are you most proud of during your time at BHS? My relationship building with everyone is something I'm very proud of. The parents have been extremely generous to me. I have families that have graduated children five years ago that keep in touch with me make a donation for teacher breakfast. They're still involved, and I'm really proud of that relationship. We've become friends. I'm not just the principal of their children. The faculty here is absolutely outstanding on so many levels and, uh, so many levels and professional. Working together to be creative, innovative, risk-takers is what they'll quote me on. I want them to take risks in their classes and invite me in to see with no con consequences. And if it fails, it fails. No big deal. You'll pick yourself up and do better next time. I promoted creativity and risk-taking environment, and they've thrived, and it's become an innovative environment. What do you think uh, your greatest responsibility as principal of BHS Standing out in front of the school and having the parents drop off their kids and trust me with them for a period of time. I don't think there's a greater responsibility than that. Making sure that they are safe and have a positive experience. 
what was your greatest challenges as principal of VHS? Budget was a challenge every year, but also the growth and culture shifts for the building. When I started, we were about 950 students. We're over 1,300 right now, and as the growth happens, culture shifts along the way. Taking that culture and aiming it in a direction of creativity, innovation, and risk-taking as they adapt to a tighter spaces, classrooms out on the lawns, to keep that rolling has been a challenge. And all of it to my colleague, Max. Thank you, Bob. Construction for new high school could begin April 2019 by Joanna K. Zuvelis. The Belmont High School Building Committee is preparing to submit its preferred schematic design to the Massachusetts School Building Committee by July 11th for the new grade 7 through 12 buildings to accommodate 2,215 students. The project is estimated to cost $295 million. The MSBA will reimburse up to 40% of the total cost. However, the BHS Building Committee will present updated cost information at its June 28th meeting, 7 p.m. in the Chenery Middle School Community Room. At the November 6th state election, Belmont voters will be asked to approve or disapprove a debt exclusion for the building. At, it, at the most recent meeting, June 19th, the Belmont High School Building Committee's construction management firm, Skanska, outlined the expected completion dates for different aspects of the project. According to Skanska, uh, project executive Dan Lannerville, construction for the new school is expected to begin in April 2019 and the building for grades 9 to 12 is expected to be completed by July 2021. The completion date for the total project is expected to be August 2023. Skanska is the same construction management firm under, used for the Wellington Elementary School project completed seven years ago. Students will remain in the existing high school building until the new building for upper school students in grades 9 through 12 is completed. Throughout the construction, Landville said there will be police details on site and surrounding the site to ensure pedestrian safety. There will be a specific route for all construction workers to follow to and from the high school, as well as designated off-site parking. When the project is in full swing, Lanneville estimates an average of 100 to 250 workers per day will be on the project. From July 2019 to July 2021, the Higginbottom Pool will be closed while the mechanical infrastructure for the building which is going over the pool roof is installed. During this time, the pool will also be renovated. During construction in the summers of 2019, 2020, and 2021, the field house will be closed while it is renovated for the project. Lockers in the field house will also be offline from January 2021 to July 2021. A modular building with temporary lockers will be put in place, according to Lanneville. The baseball and soccer fields will also be offline June 2019 to August 2023 during construction. At several recent meetings of the Traffic Advisory Committee, Board of, Selectmen, Board of Selectmen, Planning Board, School Committee, and BHS Building Committee, town leaders have discussed widespread traffic concerns connected with the projects. Residents in, this, in the neighborhoods surrounding BHS, particularly Garden Street, are worried traffic will get worse when the new building opens. 
One of the two-way entrance exit driveways to the new school proposed uh, is proposed to be located at the intersection of Garden Street and Concord Ave. The other two-way entrance exit driveway is proposed to be located at the intersection of Hittinger Road and Brighton Street. The BHS Building Committee's consultant recommends a traffic light be installed at the intersection of Garden Street and Concord Ave. Many residents of Upper and Lower Garden Street are concerned the traffic light will only make the gridlock on their street worse, putting students walking in the area as well as bicyclists at greater risk of getting hurt in an accident. The Traffic Advisory Committee has been discussing ideas at recent meetings to help reduce traffic, such as getting more students to take the bus, getting more students to bike or walk to school, getting more students to carpool to school, changing the start time for the high school, and constructing a pedestrian tunnel to connect Alexander Avenue and Channing Road to Concord Ave. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. The new Belmont High School. My graduating class of 1971 was the first class to graduate from the brand new Belmont High School. That was not even 50 years ago. Now the powers that be in our town have decided to rebuild a new high school for the astounding sum of $296 million. I was a teacher at Everett High School, and we moved into a brand new, incredible, state-of-the-art building in 2008 that was built for $84 million. 1,800 students moved into the new building, but the building was built for more students who might move into the city in the future. Why will it cost the Belmont taxpayers, those of us who foot the bill for all of the new projects, $211 million more? Why do we need to put 7th and 8th graders in this school? We would not need such a huge new building if we did not add two additional grades. Why do we need an entirely new building without the voters of the town even having a chance whether or not we want or can even afford this new monstrosity until November? How much of our tax dollars will have been spent by then for all the planning, etc., for this school? At one planning board meeting that I attended, I thought that I was hearing things when one of the board members smugly stated that he hoped to build a new high school to it last another 50 years. Are you serious? For $296 million, it should last a bit longer than that. I would also love to know how many bids were made to build the new high school before the contract was given to the same company that built the Wellington School, which is already in serious need of repair on the outside of the building. The material on the outside of the building is already deteriorating. I am not surprised. This was the very first school that this contractor ever built. Why would the town officials choose someone with no experience in building schools to be given this job? When I retired from Everett in 2016, the student body at the high school had grown to 2,200. Why didn't Everett need to build a new high school? or for that matter, even add an addition. Perhaps it was because the school department, the school committee, and the elected town officials used some imagination, creativity, and yes, some common sense to accommodate the new students. Maybe they actually did something that Belmont does not do, plan for the future. 
They did reopen one of the schools that had been closed down years before. But of course, Belmont couldn't do that because schools that had been closed down, such as Pace and Park School, had burned down. It is so strange to me that in a small town the size of Belmont, we have had four school fires. To me, and considerably many more residents of this town, it is horrifying even thinking about the huge impact this new high school will be on all of the residents of the town, especially those living near the high school. What about another very important change, the increase in our taxes? I know of three families who are already planning to move out of Belmont before this awful commotion begins and the property values in the area plummets. I have also talked to at least five families who will be moving because they will not be able to afford the hefty increase in our real estate taxes. And now back to Bob. Thank you. Public forum held to discuss a zoning for adult use marijuana by Angela Toma. The planning board held uh, the first public forum to discuss adult use marijuana in Belmont on June 19th. Over the next couple of months, the planning board will work on developing two separate adult use marijuana bylaws in preparation for the September 25th special town election. On September 25th, voters need to decide whether or not allow up to two retail marijuana stores in Belmont. If residents vote no, the town will allow an unlimited number of adult-use marijuana establishments, including manufacturers, testers, cultivators, etc. Opting out completely from marijuana establishments is no longer an option. The planning board must prepare for either outcome. In order to begin drafting the zoning bylaws, the board must make decisions on four distinct topics, including location, buffer, signage, and permit process. The meeting began by outlining the different options for each subject. Location. Adult-use marijuana establishments can be allowed in one or more of the following districts, General Business, Local Business 1, Local Business 2, and or Local Business 3. Under Massachusetts state law, local zoning bylaws cannot be unreasonably impractical for siting of duly licensed marijuana establishments. In other words, Belmont cannot create zoning bylaws that make it entirely unattractive for marijuana businesses. Buffer. Belmont can prohibit an adult-use marijuana establishment from locating near public or private schools. However, the maximum distance the town can legislate is 500 feet. Under Massachusetts state law, this buffer zone cannot be applied to daycare centers or preschools. Signage. Massachusetts state law prohibits the use of logos depicting medical symbols, images of marijuana and related paraphernalia, and colloquial uh, references to cannabis and marijuana. Permit process. 
there are three different options for the permit process by right design and site plan review or special permit by right allows a landowner to apply for a zoning permit without any public hearings belmont bookstore uh, is a an example of by right zoning permit option two site plan review includes a public hearing and can take up to six months to complete a site plan review establishes criteria for appearance safety layout scale and environmental impact the new high school building is an example of a site plan review process the final option a special permit requires a formal public hearing and can take up to nine months to complete if the community does not object to the proposed development a special permit is granted to the applicant however the board overseeing the application can deny the special permit or stipulate conditions upon granting the special permit an example of this process is the new Dunkin Donuts site on Pleasant Street restaurants in Belmont are also required to obtain a special permit and over to my colleague Max thank you Bob frequently asked questions about marijuana in Massachusetts here's what you should know by Eli Sherman with state regulators hoping to approve licenses for adult use marijuana businesses this week Massachusetts residents still have a lot of questions after approving its first license last week, CCC Chairman Steve Hoffman said he expected that the body would consider license applications at each subsequent meeting. Hoffman said he expects the CCC will vote on approving, quote, a handful, unquote, of licenses when it meets next on Monday. Wicked Local crowdsourced from across the Commonwealth and found widespread interest related to personal freedom, business interests, and law enforcement. The questions were compiled and sent to state regulators and local law enforcement. As the industry continues to roll out, questions will most likely continue to arise. But for now, here are some answers. What's the legal age of consumption? 21 years of age. Cannabis Control Commission, CCC, re regulations approved in April by Belmont's Board of Health set the minimum age for someone to purchase marijuana in Belmont at 25. Employees, employers, and consumers of recreational retail marijuana establishments in Belmont would have to be at least 25 years of age. According to former Board of Health Director Dr. David Alper, establishments will be required to have signage no smaller than 8.5 inches by 11 inches posted to be readily seen by a person standing at or approaching the cash register stating the sale of marijuana product to someone under Belmont's minimum legal sales age of 25 years is prohibited. Are people allowed to smoke in public? How about consuming edibles? No. Consuming marijuana or marijuana products in a public place is prohibited. Smoking marijuana in an area where smoking tobacco is prohibited is also prohibited. What's the penalty? The civil penalty for consuming marijuana in public or smoking marijuana where smoking tobacco is prohibited is up to $100. Cities and towns may pass bylaws or ordinances authorizing social consumption in certain areas. Consumption of marijuana is limited to adults over 21 with limited specific medical exceptions. 
How much marijuana can a person have on them at one time, and what form can it take? If you are over 21 years old, you may possess up to one ounce of marijuana on your person. Not more than five grams of marijuana may be in the form of marijuana concentrate. In your home, you may possess up to 10 ounces of marijuana and any marijuana produced by plants cultivated on the premises. Any amount of marijuana or marijuana products over one ounce kept within your place of residence must be secured by a lock. Failure to keep marijuana and marijuana products in excess of one ounce locked up within the home may be punished by a civil penalty of up to $100 and forfeiture of the marijuana. Where can people grow and store cannabis-related products in their homes? The law allows an individual over 21 years of age to grow up to six plants in their home. If there are other individuals over 21 years of age living in the residence who wish to grow, the maximum number of plants that may be grown in a residence is 12 plants. The plants must be grown in an area that is equipped with a lock or security device. The plants cannot be visible from a public place without the use of binoculars, aircraft, or other optical aids. Will landlords be allowed to ban it? Smoking. A landlord may, in a lease agreement, lawfully prohibit or otherwise regulate the consumption of marijuana by smoking and the display, production, processing, manufacturing, or sale of marijuana or marijuana accessories on or in property that the landlord owns. Consuming by not smoking. A lease agreement may not prohibit a tenant from consuming marijuana by means other than smoking on or in property in which the tenant resides unless failing to do so would cause the landlord to violate a federal law or regulation or if the property is owned by the Commonwealth, a subdivision of the Commonwealth, e.g. a country, county, city, or town, or a state or local government agency. Protection for Landlords The 2017 Act prohibits a landlord from being punished under state law for allowing marijuana cons consumption or other marijuana-related activities conducted lawfully under the 2017 law and the Commission's regulations on the landlord's property. Now over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. The pool is open daily through September 3rd by Joanna K. Zuvelis. The overcast skies, misty rain, and chilly air didn't prevent many people from attending the summer blast-off to celebrate the opening of the Underwood Pool for its third season. Those who attended enjoyed games, music with DJ Paul Madden, and free refreshments. The pool is now open daily through September 3rd, including July 4th. The hours are Monday through Thursday, noon to 8 p.m., 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. on July 4th, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m., noon to 8 p.m. on July 6th through August 17th. August 18th through September 3rd, the hours change to 10 a.m. to 7 p.m. daily. There is a dedicated time for adult lap swim in the lap swimming area of the pool for ages 16 and over, 445 to 5.30 p.m., Monday through Friday, and Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays, 7 to 8 a.m., July 10th through August 16th. Toddlers aged 6 and under will have their own dedicated time from 9 to 11 a.m., Monday through Thursday, excluding July 4th, in the zero entry pool and splash pad area. 
Belmont Recreation Program Supervisor June Howell said they're offering more activities for families and children this year, as well as organized activities during the week with books, games, and equipment to, available to borrow. Another new addition to the pool this year for visitors to purchase is pizza from Stonehearth Pizza. Minimum swimming requirements. Children ages 10 and under must be accompanied by an adult who possesses a membership tag or day pass. Swimming is only allowed with a recreation department lifeguard is on duty. Non-swimmers are allowed in the shallow pool only. Children must be at least 48 inches tall to use the water slide unless they have passed the modified deep end test. Swimmers are required to pass the deep end test to swim in the deep pool. Pool management will determine the deep end test course, which may include jumping or diving from the diving board. Swimmers who pass the deep end test will be given a wristband and should wear that band anytime they are in the pool. And now to my colleague, Bob. Thank you, Bob. The truth about uh, silver fillings. Uh, a question was asked uh, to Dr. Richard Greenberg. Isn't the mercury in dental uh, amalgam bad for you? An excessive amount of mercury in the body is certainly a negative, but there is no scientific evidence to support that the addition of silver amalgam to your body will in any way cause more harm. Many other sources of mercury abound, as in fish, for instance, but we all seem to be doing very well. The, uh, these restorations have been placed uh, for well over 100 years with no evidence of negativity. The U.S. Food and Drug Administration concurs. There is much anecdotal news out there that can cause fear and concern in our population, but none is evidence based on science. Dentistry is, has, always will continue to be a profession based on sound scientific principles so as to always deliver benefit to the population and above all, do no harm. Please note that dental amalgam can be uh, delivered to the patient in such a way as to significantly minimize the possibility of the patient ingesting or inhaling the free mercury. When placing the material, if the dentist used a dental rubber dam along with high volume excavation devices, suction, exposure will be greatly minimized. Uh, this plus using as low a mercury content will aid greatly. Once the amalgam is placed, carved and hardens, and the rubber dam removed, only extremely trace amounts can be detected to leach out. Not near enough, however, to cause any harm, as shown by strict science. For those who do not, for those who are not aware, the dental dam has other uses that help in keeping cleanliness and attempt sterility. But we are talking, we are talking of use in dentistry. When used by the dentist, this rubber dam creates a neat, clean field to work in where saliva does not contaminate the material. 
vision for the dentist is greatly enhanced and danger of swallowing any material is all but eliminated. One must be careful not to use latex if a patient has a latex allergy. Other dams made of nitrile will address the problem. If the restora restorative dental office, it is very sad to see that use of these dental dams discovered and used over 100 years ago are used far too infrequently. I believe that every dentist trained in the United States has been taught to use the dam when treating their first patients. The obvious reason is safety and that other structures of the oral cavity are protected completely. Also, all dental restoration materials are adversely affected by moisture, aka saliva. The rubber dam accomplishes creation of a dry field in which the restorations must be placed. Why then do most dentists stop using them? I believe the dentists today fool themselves into thinking that they can control these variables in other ways. They think of the dams as akin to starting out with diapers that you eventually grow out of or graduate out of, but that is patently untrue. Only compromise on the part of the dentist is the true rationale for their decrease in use. And over to my colleague, Max. Thank you, Bob. Burbank student art installation inspired by individuality. In the fall of 2017, students and staff at the Burbank School began work on a collaborative art project for installation in the Burbank Garden Classroom. Inspired by The Only One, of you, well, the only one you by Linda Krantz, guidance counselor Kristen Romig and art teacher Nicole Pond designed a school-wide project connecting social-emotional learning and the arts, culminating in a colorful addition to the garden classroom. Romig and Pond began with the, school, the goal of inspiring each student and staff member to recognize individual qualities that together create the Burbank School community. At a community meeting assembly in September, Romig and Pond shared the book The Only One You and followed this with a visit to each classroom to discuss the book's message, play a game about discovering one's own unique qualities, and then brainstorming about how one might visually represent these qualities in an art project. Next, in art class, students were encouraged to artistically represent these traits on a smooth river rock with color, design, and words. This year-long endeavor culminated in early June 2018 with the installation of the completed rocks in the Burbank Garden Classroom. This permanent piece of public art celebrates the collaboration of all members of the Burbank School community and adds beautiful color for all to enjoy, Pond said. The Burbank Garden Classroom, established during the 2014-15 school year, is a culmination of an initiative to enhance the school grounds and provide inspiring outdoor space for innovative teaching and hands-on learning. Over to you, Bob. Thank you, Max. Work group recommends Belmont remain a member of Minuteman by Joanna K. Zavellis. What is the future of vocational education options for Belmont students after June 30th, 2020, when the town is no longer a member district of the Minuteman Regional Vocational School District? After Belmont Town Meeting voted to withdraw from the district in October 2016, 
Superintendent John Phelan said he would launch a work group to explore career and vocational technical education options, CVTE. In December 2017, work began for the 16-member group comprised of parents, teachers, community members, guidance counselors, special education teachers, and members of the administration. Their charge was to answer two questions. Where would Belmont students attend for CVTE programs, and how should Belmont contract with CVTE providers? On June 19th, the work group gave their final report to the school committee recommending Belmont reinstate its status as a member district of Minuteman because the school is the only CVTE option that has capacity and is willing to commit to a long-term relationship with the town. The work group initially reviewed several options for CVTE in the Boston and Metro West area and narrowed it down to three regional CVTE options for study, Minuteman, Sharsheen, Ensure Occupational Learning and Vocational Education Division, a local collaborative of municipalities offering CVTE programs to their students, including Cambridge, Medford, Somerville, and Waltham. And back to Bob. Along with my colleagues, Bob and Max, we thank you for listening to the Talking News and hope you've enjoyed the show. We would also like to wish our listeners a happy 4th of July, and we will return next week for another edition of Local News Happenings around Belmont. <laughs>